after age 40, I would say I wouldn't wait at all. Okay. I would see a fertility specialist just to get a baseline assessment of what's going on and to get some more information in general. Um, but you know, seeing a fertility specialist sooner than later, if you're having regular menstrual periods and you're not conceiving after three months is ideal. And that's because that's what they do all day, every day. Okay. And I, and I say this every chance I get people, uh, or women, uh, or couples are sometimes hesitant to see fertility specialists because they think that the moment they walk in the door, they're going to stamp IVF on their forehead and just sign them right up. And that's not true. There are multiple things in assisted reproductive technology that can, that can help a woman get pregnant. Welcome to the One Storm Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mama four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix. And I'm Lauren O'Hayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix, and I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. Today, we are joined by Dr. Shannon Clark, who is an OBGYN, and we're talking all about having babies after age 35, or what I'm saying in air quotes is advanced maternal age. What are the risks? Why are there risks? What are What's your OB's line of thinking or what's their reasoning behind the different suggestions that may come up? Are there different things that someone after age 35 needs to think about that someone under age 35 doesn't need to think about? And all things in between. So um, listen to this episode with an open mind. Listen to it with your bubble of peace on. We do cover a lot of the different risks and the different things that can pop up because it is important to be informed. So Inform yourself of the research, inform yourself of the potential complications, and then keep on your bubble of peace knowing that ultimately you are in charge of your own journey. Enjoy. Shannon M. Clark is a double board certified obstetrician and gynecologist and maternal fetal medicine specialist focusing on the care of women with maternal and or fetal complications of pregnancy. Dr. Clark has taken a special interest in pregnancy after the age of 35, which according to age alone is considered a high-risk pregnancy. She was inspired not only by the experiences of friends and patients, but also by her own personal experience of trying to start a family at the age of 40, dedicated to her education, training, and career for 15 plus years. Dr. Clark married at the age of 39 and started trying to start a family at 40. After five failed cycles of IVF, she was able to become pregnant via egg donor and delivered twins, Sydney Renee and Remy Vaughn, such cute names, in September 2016. (laughs) Dr. Clark is especially passionate about working with the 35 and older population. And that is exactly what we want to talk about today. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. That is quite the resume, um, we, <laughs> and it makes us really excited that you're here to tell, you know, we love to hear kind of people's journey. So tell us about your beginnings and how you got to where you are today and the whole story. Yeah, well, I am originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I am a first generation college, a high school and medical school graduate. 
Um, so I ended up going into OBGYN. Um, and then very quickly in my residency, which is four years, I realized that I wanted to do, do a fellowship in uh, maternal fetal medicine because I, uh, you know, had a particular passion for high risk pregnancies. So that required an additional three years of fellowship, um, which I completed at the university of Texas medical branch in Galveston, Texas in 2007. Um, I then, then stayed on here and I've been here ever since, uh, I am in academic medicine, which means that I. Uh, I'm an educator uh, with teaching medical students, residents, and fellows. Uh, I am a researcher, so I do do research as well. And then also I'm a clinician, which means that I take care of patients. I will uh, explain a little bit. I, my job is high-risk pregnancy in general. We do cover labor and delivery where I work 24-7, so I see all kinds of things um, in my job. Um, with my job specifically, I am not uh, specializing in pregnancy over 35. Where that comes in, is what I do as far as educating and, and some of the things I do with the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists or ACOG as far as being a spokesperson for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I started my website as well, when I started going through my own journey of becoming a mom after age 40. So um, that's where the passion for you know pregnancy, fertility, and motherhood after age 35 came was with my own personal journey. And are you using your website f- to educate and kind of spread mm-hmm. the word more globally? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so I started the website, I think, in 2014. Uh, and it's just grown from there, actually. Uh, and then it went into the social media aspect with, you know, Instagram, primarily and Facebook. But oddly enough, I just realized, you know, you run your stats a little bit to see, you know, where your, your followers on social media and on their website are coming from. And my largest demographic is actually age 25 to 34 now. Oh. And I think that's because of women who are you know, wanting to educate themselves and especially if they're anticipating delaying childbearing until after age 35. Um, So obviously I have a large uh, group of women age 35 to 44, but my largest demographic is age 25 to 34. Do you have any way of, well, first of all, your Mm -hmm. website was not in the, um, in the bio that I had for you. So I'm just curious now more, Mm -hmm. is that we're going to put it in the show notes, but uh, Mm -hmm. what is your website? It's babiesafter35.com. Oh, amazing. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. And okay. So what, tell us about it. Tell us, do you know why your demographic is different? Is it just because that's, you don't, yeah, like, you don't work in high-risk pregnancies specifically, right? You're no, no, I do. So my job is all high-risk pregnancies, oh, but oh, it's not okay. specifically with women over 35, I do have patients over 35 okay. where okay. I'm educated where the babies after 35 came was with my own personal experience, my own personal um, goal of educating women about fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood after age 35. And that was, you know, kind of a, a passion of mine based on my own personal experiences. So um, in my day-to-day job, I deal with pregnancies uh, of all different, you know, complicated pregnancies for all different reasons, whether it's maternal, uh, fetal, or a combination of both with the complications. Okay. Got you. Mm -hmm. So let's, yes, let's dive in. I just want to dive in. I want to know what are some common misconceptions about, um, giving birth after age 35, some like, like the, what are the stats? Like, why is it considered high risk? So, okay. So yes, I want to answer the first question. So what are some common misconceptions? Yeah. So first of all, you know, I think um, women are terrified of potentially delaying childbearing to after age 35 and or trying to conceive after age 35 
maybe that's a strong word terrified, but they're very concerned because they are, you know, we know that we deem them or label them as a high risk pregnancy. And that's for various reasons. But I, you know, once you get started through a few hurdles and I'll go to into that secondly, then, you know, you can pretty much have a pregnancy and be followed just as anybody else would. Um, so the first misconception is that all women who are pregnant after age 35 are high risk. Mm. Um, that's not, or that they're going to have a complicated pregnancy. That's not true. The mm. second thing is that all women after age 35 are going to have trouble conceiving. That's not true either. There are plenty of women who conceive spontaneously after 35 and even after age 40. It's mm. just that more women when compared to their younger, younger counterparts may need help with assisted reproductive te- technology. It may take longer. Um, or the, you know, they may not be able to conceive um, due to their age. And then finally, one of the biggest misconceptions is that, uh, and you get this mostly from people who are not in our shoes or that, you know, uh, have opinions about everything. And that would be that women that are over age 35 are simply too old to have children, especially after age 40. I get it a lot. You know, why you're so selfish. Why would you have a baby after 40? You're going to be dead by the time they graduate high school. You know, you're going to look like their grandmother. And the reality is, is that women have always had babies after age 40. They always have. We hear about our great grandmothers doing it. It's not like it's just now happening. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's happening more often because women are delaying childbearing for whatever reason. And that's when you think about delaying childbearing, it's largely because they're wanting to pursue their education. And I think that's a great thing. Um, So this whole thing about 35, yes, it's uh, what we use medically speaking, but it's not a definite for every woman. There's still individuals and different things are going to qualify uh, each individual person. And as physicians, we have to consider that as well. But yes, generally speaking and medically speaking, age 35 is considered a high-risk pregnancy and is given a little bit more attention um, when it comes to someone like myself as an obstetrician and as a high-risk specialist. Um, and then the second part of your question, you said uh, some of the stats. Um, do you want to go, to go into that? Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to know why. Why are they high-risk? Mm-hmm. So the first probably would be the difficulty in conceiving. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Because we know that you have a decrease in egg quality, which means how the, the, the quality of the individual egg and the DNA within that egg, you know, we're born with all the eggs we'll ever produce and they age as we age. Mm-hmm. Um, so difficulty or in conceiving do a decrease in egg quality. And then also in egg quantity, the number of eggs we have decrease um, with every period and every time we ovulate as we age. So the first problem would be difficulty uh, conceiving. And just as an example, a healthy 30-year-old woman has about a 20% chance of getting pregnant each month. But by age 40, that chance drops to only 5% chance of getting pregnant in a given month. Um, So those are the overall stats. But again, this is different for every woman. That does not mean that every 40-year-old woman has a 5% chance. Of course, there's going to be variation. But in general, those are the stats. And the second thing you have to consider is an increased risk of pregnancy loss. Um, They have the the rate of spontaneous miscarriage uh, climbs gradually with age. Um, so for, it's considered to be about 9% among 22 year olds. And then around 30, it's about 18%. Then you have about 20% at age 35. And then by age 40, it's about 40%. So you do have higher rates of miscarriage in older women. And that is again, more related to uh, a, a decrease in equality um, because of, uh, you know, the genetic abnormalities that can occur uh, as we age uh, in the embryo, which does not allow it to, to grow and then can result in pregnancy loss. Um, the next component you would consider is an increased risk of chromo- chromosomal abnormalities. Mm-hmm. And the most common one we think about is Down syndrome. Um, and just to give an example, uh, at age 30, 
uh, a woman has uh, a rate of having an embryo with Down syndrome at around 10 weeks of pregnancy, her rate uh, is, is about one in 240 at age 35. And by age 40, it's one in 53. Wow. When you consider that with having the rates of having a baby that is born at term with Down syndrome at age 35, that rate is about, uh, say, age 30, is about 1 in 939. By age 35, it's 1 in 353. And then age 40, it's 1 in 85. And so those are those are some of the stats. And then finally, you know, considering if you were able to get pregnant, we passed the genetic hurdle and the, the baby is considered to be genetically normal, then just based on age alone. A woman after age 35, and especially after age 30, or after age 40, is at increased risk of pregnancy complications, no matter how healthy she is. She's at increased risk for having a cesarean de- delivery, developing gestational diabetes, hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, placental abnormalities like placenta previa, uh, and then having preterm birth, um, postpartum hemorrhage, and then stillbirth. So those are some of the other increased risk uh, pregnancy complications as the pregnancy progress- progresses. Wow. That is, I know it's a lot. It is. And it's so interesting (laughs) with your own experience that you knew all of that. And yet, and, and, you know, you speak openly that you, Mm -hmm. you became pregnant via egg donor, but still, Mm -hmm. I mean, even with egg donor, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of those risks still apply to you. Right. Well, and I did have complications. So, you know, um, you know, let's, I'll talk on a more personal note. Yeah, I'm an OBGYN and a maternal fetal medicine specialist. I knew the basics about fertility. I'm not a fertility specialist, but I was healthy at 40 <laughs> and I had no medications, no pre-existing medical conditions, no chronic medical conditions. And I still didn't think I would have that much trouble conceiving. So I thought, well, if I'm an OBGYN and a maternal fetal medicine specialist, and I wasn't expecting it, what does the average woman think? Right. What is her knowledge? So that's why I wanted to start educating. And that's why I chose personally to be very transparent about my journey, the good and the bad. And listen, it wasn't always easy because people can be, be very cruel and have a lot of opinions, mm. but I, I wanted to be very open about that, especially even when I went to the egg donor uh, phase where, and I did conceive via donor egg because I wanted women to know that um, when, especially women over age 40, it's not easy for all of us. And we do have to use get help. And a lot more women are using donor eggs. So, you know, yeah, I should have known more, but I have to be honest with you. Maybe I was in denial a little bit, maybe, but, and I, and again, after age 40, I I got pregnant with twins and I was on hospital bed rest for two months Mm -hmm. after almost losing them several times. I was able to carry them to 31 weeks of one day. And then I had them and they were in the NICU for um, six weeks. So, you know, I did have the the complications. Um, So I kind of got the whole, uh, the, the, the all-in-one package for delivering after age 40, if you could say, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, Whereas think, for some people it happens. So like you said before, some people easily get pregnant over the age of yes. 40. I mean, it's just, Absolutely, yeah. it's, I'm, I mean, my oldest, so I'm a doula, so I attend births. Mm-hmm. So my oldest client, my oldest birth I've attended was 55. Mm-hmm. And I think she started having her babies maybe at 45 she had two young kids and this was baby three mm-hmm. and it like super healthy super aware mm-hmm. um very minimal complications and of course mm-hmm. like it just can vary so wildly so yeah. how can someone discern the difference between like the general population stats and their their actual risk as an individual 
so there's there's no calculator we could plug things into yeah uh, you know listen like yes you basically have to go through the i, I don't i'll use the word hurdle although that might be uh, appealing but first getting pregnant yeah then having uh then keeping the pregnancy uh passing you know making sure that the baby's genetically normal making sure the anatomy is normal at that 18 to 20 week scan getting over any hurdles of being um, advanced maternal age and pregnancy complications. So, you know, you kind of pass one hurdle at a time and every woman's different. And as a a physician, we have to see that as well. So if you are a woman of advancing age and you have pre-existing medical conditions already, especially if they're not well controlled, that's going to change your risks and your outcomes and your morbidity and mortality. If you have pre-existing medical conditions and they are controlled, that's great, especially in the preconception period before you even get pregnant. Now, that's going to make things a little bit easier, but as it doesn't take your risk away completely, okay, having pre-existing medical conditions like diabetes and hypertensive disorders still pushes you, places you at somewhat increased risk, but uh, if they're controlled, it's going to decrease that risk somewhat. So, you know, we, um, w- all the data we put out there and all that scary stuff I just quoted you that's based on years of data and, and research and, and papers being published and manuscripts being published and what physicians experience. But we know we, yeah. we can't, as soon as a woman walks into our office at 39, I can't say, oh, I'm going to start checking off the boxes for her. Here we go. That's not how it goes. I know what she's at increased risk for based on how she presents on day one, whether she has pre-existing medical conditions, what her overall health status is. And then we go through each hurdle as I expect, as I you know, talked about before as she goes through the pregnancy. Um, but women can still have uh, perfectly normal and healthy pregnancies and healthy babies and, and everything can be just fine. We just have to be very aware about the increased risk that a woman of that age might have. Sure. So the one thing, so uh, we asked in our Facebook group yeah. questions people have about um, being over the age of 35 and, and uh, having a baby. And the one that came up the most was about induction. Yeah. So wondering, you know, let's say this person's 39 and their doctor is talking about an induction at 39 weeks. So I'm super mm-hmm. curious to hear if you think that let's say there's, uh, there's no other risk factors. The only risk is their age. Mm-hmm. What, what's your opinion on induction for that? Yeah. So if we're talking about specifically for AM, advanced maternal age, does ACOG, SMFM, any of our governing bodies say at 39 weeks, you have to offer them an indu- elective induction? The answer is no. Okay. Unless there's a reason, a pre-existing reason. AMA alone is not a reason to. Now, am okay. I a fan? Do I advocate for elective induction at 39 weeks? I do. Okay. I offer that to all my patients. As a group here in the academic, academic center where we work, we offer that to all of our patients. Now, this we're talking about when you talk about elective induction at 39 weeks, that just means that they're 39 weeks, they can get induced. Then you think about induction of labor based on other pre-existing medical conditions or medical condition, conditions that develop during the pregnancy, or maybe there's a fetal indication, then that's not elective. You're doing sure, that for a medical for reason. Sure. Yeah. But I guess your question is, is AMA considered a medical indication for induction of labor at 39 weeks in an otherwise healthy pregnancy? And the answer is no. Um, but for me personally, I do offer all of my patients, regardless of their age, elective induction after talking to them and, and having a discussion and, and making the decision together. Um, 
and that's based on also, I don't know if you guys are aware of the arrive trial oh, um, yes. that was done. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm sure you hear about that a lot. And, and listen, and that's based on, uh, you know, what ACOG has decided based on the results of the study is that it is reasonable to offer elective induction to first time moms at 39 weeks of pregnancy with one, who, with one fetus and the mom or otherwise mom and baby are otherwise healthy. And we also know there's the, the study was showing that it could be uh, better to induce these types of women at 39 weeks because they might have lower rates of cesarean section. I'm uh, sorry, a lower weeks of preeclampsia and gestational hypertension than women who don't have induction at 39 weeks. But again, with all of this elective induction uh, at 39 weeks, um, you still have to talk to the woman, see what her preferences are, answer her questions, make sure the facility that you're delivering at has the resources to do inductions of labors, labor electively. And then what happens if the induction fails? What protocols are in place if the induction fails? So all that should be discussed with a woman, uh, otherwise healthy woman at 39 weeks. And this is for all ages. Okay. And, and, but again, if you're asking me, is AMA a medical reason to induce at 39 weeks? It's not. Okay. Okay. Do I get a little bit nervous when my AMAers are heading past 40 weeks? Absolutely. I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's more of that disclosure. And I think that's important to know, like Mm -hmm. you can, and I think sometimes people hear their doctor discussing it at 39 weeks and then they come to me and they're like, Oh, they say I have to, and -hmm. maybe there are some, but you're saying like, we're just having a conversation Mm -hmm. about your options at 39 weeks. You are still Mm -hmm. ultimately in in charge of that decision. So yes and no, but we have to make sure we, we, uh, clarify here. What's what mean elective versus medically indicated. There might be reasons in a 39 year old, why she might have a medical reason for sure. Yeah. At 39 weeks, if the the fluid's low, if the baby's not moving like it should, you know, those are plenty, plenty of medical reasons. Elective means there's absolutely nothing else wrong other than, you you know, or uh, abnormal. I don't want to say wrong other than the fact that she's 30, uh, you know, over age 35 or over age 40. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more. So yeah, I am... knowing what I know and having years of, of delivering babies, I, I, um, I do get nervous when my patients are older, especially over age 40 and they're getting past 40 weeks. I do, I do get nervous, but as a policy in general, where we work, where I work at my academic, academic institution, we do offer elective induction at 39 weeks after discussion with the patient and, and, and an otherwise healthy woman, it is ultimately her decision. Okay. I love so wait, that. hold on. Mm-hmm. I may have missed mm-hmm. this, but for the listener who may have missed it, mm-hmm. can you walk us through why someone over the age of, so AMA to you is 35 and over. Or is it right. 40? That's another okay. question. Okay. You had. Uh, <laughs> let me ask my question. <laughs> yeah, so you ask your yeah. We can get clear on the date. Yeah. So, um, if I'm, I'm the pregnant person, yeah. I'm, well, I am 43. So I'm the pregnant person <laughs> and I'm 43 <laughs> and my doctor is suggesting that, or my midwife or whoever that I get <laughs> induced at, uh, 39 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I say, what does my age have to do with it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we talked about that. You went through a lot of things at the beginning. My brain was spinning. Yeah. So there's a lot of, I mean, you know, you think about you further along you get, you know, um, 
increased risk of cesarean delivery, the baby could get bigger the further you get along past 41, as you get to 40 to 41 weeks, there is an increased risk somewhat of stillbirth in an advanced maternal age woman, especially over age 40. So those are all things to consider. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, stillbirth is scary. It happens. I think we all know it happens. You know, October was just um, pregnancy and infant loss awareness month. And we know that stillbirth happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, when we over 35 age group more at risk, I'm, I'm asking because I don't work in birth the way Lindsay does. So there are, there are conflicting studies, but overall the, the thought is that, yeah, is that yes. Okay. Especially as you get over age 40, Mm. but you know, is there a a one good study that says absolutely yes. No, there's not a good study. Mm -hmm. We, we, you have to understand as, as, especially as maternal fetal medicine specialists who practice academic medicine or evidence-based medicine, which is what I do. That's a large component of what guides my recommendations and how I counsel patients. But I also have the, the more, I use my gut too. And I been delivering babies since 2000 and 2000, uh, 2000, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I have a 40 plus year old woman, and she's past 39 weeks and she's wanting to keep going and keep going. I want to have some serious conversations with her mm-hmm. and I, and I would rather get her delivered by 40 weeks, but I can't make her do that. And it's ultimately her decision, but we can at least have a conversation about it. And, you know, and I have no problems telling my patients sometimes, you know what, I can't get pull a paper to tell you that you have to be delivered by 40 weeks based on this research study, but I can tell you how I feel as your physician. And what my concerns may or may not be. And I think that's where, you you know, it comes into having a relationship with your patient mm-hmm. and, and talking, sitting down and talking to them. And I think there is something to be said for that. Absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you for clearing that up. And so mm-hmm. advanced maternal age is 30. What, what's the age for that? Well, it's considered, you know, based on how we do the ICD 10 codes, it's 35 plus. Okay. And, you know, we talked about is, should it be age 35 or 40? Um, we could talk about that. Why was age 35 considered to be, to be advanced maternal age? And that's because many moons ago, but as recently as 10 years ago, the, the risk for pregnancy loss after an amniocentesis, which is a, one of the definitive ways to ascertain the chromosomal status of a baby, um, the risk of pregnancy loss after an amniocentesis was about the same as the baseline probability that a 35-year-old woman would have a baby with Down syndrome. Okay. So that risk is about one in 200, meaning having a pregnancy loss from amniocentesis was about one in 200 or a 35 year old woman having a baby with Down syndrome was about one in 200. So that's where that traditional age 35 came from. Mm. Now we know based on some recent studies or, you know, some of the data that we've collected that that the risk of pregnancy loss after an amniocentesis may not be one in 200 anymore. It's probably lower than that. Okay. But do we change the advanced maternal age uh, cutoff? Well, maybe not, because we also know some of the other things that go along with age 35, like pregnancy loss in general, like the increased risk of pregnancy. So I don't see that that's going to change anytime soon. Increased it, risk And it of, still might be different. Um, pregnancy sorry. complications. Oh, okay. Yeah, just in general. Yeah, pregnancy complications in general. So is that 35 going to change to make uh, where advanced maternal age is now age 38 is now age 40. I don't see that happening anytime soon because there's still things to consider in a woman over age 35. Does that answer your question on that one? Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So it would, do you differentiate between someone who's pregnant with their first baby after 35 and someone who's ba- pregnant, let's say with like their seventh baby or their, well, I know no. there's risk. Yeah, no, I mean, well, obviously a seventh, 
baby, you're going to have to worry more about postpartum hemorrhage and things like that. For and sure, that's yeah. for anybody over any of any age. Um, you know, the one thing that uh, is a little bit different um, that's more recently is, you know, we think about an older age and um, and the risk of preeclampsia. So when you talk about uh, a low dose aspirin for the prevention of preeclampsia, one of the moderate risk factors is age 35 years or older. Okay. So in the moderate risk category, you need to have, uh, you consider doing low dose aspirin uh, for the prevention of preeclampsia. If you have one or more, one or more of the moderate risk factors and, and age is one of those. Okay. okay. So that, you know, you might, it, it changes. And then also if you have, it's a having, if you're age 35 and older and it's your first baby that gives you two moderate risk factors. So then, and that woman, she would be offered a low dose aspirin for the prevention of preeclampsia based on age 35 years or older, and she's their first time mom. So that's kind of really the only thing um, on paper, if you will, or that's a, a definite guideline where we should change or, or offer something different for a first time mom after age 35 versus someone who's had more than one baby. Um, so, you know, that's, that's uh, one of those things there, but other than that, you know, it, if she's the first time mom after 35 versus having her second or third kid, it, it's still pretty much managed the same way. Okay. So there's not like anything about like, well, you have a proven pelvis or you're, you've given birth vaginally before that decreases your risk of, I don't know, anything. It's about the same. You'd say, well, I mean, and that's not just going to be 35. I mean, that's any woman who's had a first, you know, if she's had babies before vaginally, that's going to increase her risk of having another baby vaginally. You know, there's a lot of unknowns in first time moms of any age, you yeah. know, we don't have anything to go on. So, um, you know, it's other than if she's over age 35 and based on what we know about pregnancy complications and that in women over age 35. Got it. So another question I have and other people had in our group was, um, is there anything that you suggest that someone do? Let's talk, let's even start with fertility and going into pregnancy. Is there anything you suggest Mm -hmm. That people that are planning to get pregnant or are pregnant do to help themselves remain lower risk and mm-hmm. decrease their risk of other things that can come up for them. Well, I mean, I think um, in general, if we are, if there's a woman who is anticipating delaying childbearing until after age 35 or well after age 35, being in as in as optimal health of an optimal weight is is important because we are predis you know uh, we are at a increased risk of risk of developing medical conditions just based on age alone as we age. Yeah. So if something does develop, you know, having that under control is ideal because I have a lot of patients who are pregnant and have poorly controlled diabetes, poorly controlled lupus, poorly controlled renal disease, poorly controlled diabetes, and trying to play catch up in pregnancy is not ideal. So, you know, if you do have pre-existing medical conditions, get those under control. Um, it's, it's good to do that regardless, but yeah, especially yeah. if you're planning on or, or considering conceiving. Okay. So yeah, that, that's probably the biggest advice I would have. Um, you know, as far as the fertility thing goes, um, I'm not a fertility specialist, but I will say that, you know, if you're uh, um, over age 35 and on your way to age 40, you know, the, the time that we, um, recommend women wait before seeking help uh, to try to conceive on their own is around three months or so after age 40, I would say I wouldn't wait at all. Okay. I would see a fertility specialist just to get a baseline assessment of what's going on and to get some more information in general. Um, But, you know, seeing a fertility specialist sooner than later, if you're having regular menstrual periods, 
and you're not consuming after three months is ideal. And that's because that's what they do all day, every day. Okay. And I, and I say this every chance I get people uh, or women uh, or couples are sometimes hesitant to see fertility specialists because they think that the moment they walk in the door, they're going to stamp IVF on their forehead and just sign them right up. And that's not true. You know, they want to do an evaluation. They want to talk to you about, you know, your assessment, what your baseline health is, how many pregnancies have you had in the past? Have you had miscarriages? What, what is your age, you know, healthy weight, what are your medical conditions? So they can kind of guide you on what you should, you know, if there's anything else before, you know, IVF, there are multiple things in assisted rate reproductive, reproductive technology that can, that can help a woman get pregnant. And sometimes it's just talking to the fertility specialist and giving a few recommendations is all that, it, all that it takes. So I am all for getting that second opinion with a fertility specialist sooner than later, especially if you're uh, nearing age 40 and then definitely once you hit age 40. Got it. So stressful. I know. So I, you know, it's, it's, I'm from New York city, right? Mm -hmm. So people absolutely put their careers first there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it is so interesting, like the sometimes demographics or how it plays Mm -hmm. in, but most of my friends did not even think about starting families until they were at least 35. And then even then Mm -hmm. it was like, well, but people can get pregnant way into their forties. So, and it's, it is interesting. I've seen all of it. I've seen, I've seen people get pregnant instantly at 43, never having even tried. And then I've seen, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my own sister who had super easy time getting pregnant in her early thirties and then in her late thirties, not, and a lot Mm -hmm. of failed IVF. So it's just, it is interesting to see kind of also like, I would not want to be that person in my thirties stressed that, Oh gosh, I better do this now because later, I mean, where were you? Can I ask you on a personal level? Where do you share that part of your story? Where did you, did you want kids? Were you thinking I better do this or. So I met my husband right after I turned 38 and uh, like within a couple of months and he had just turned 38 as well. And I had gotten to the point where, you know, I had never been in a relationship. I'd never been, I've been in relationships, but never close to engagement or marriage or anything. And I was like, you know what, if I don't have kids, I'll be fine. Um, and I had kind of settled into that. And the single and mom course, thing didn't appeal no, to you? No, I, at that time, no, okay. it didn't. Okay. But then I met him and c- completely changed. Mm. I mean, I, I knew we both knew we wanted to have a family cause we felt like we met the one mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't know, had I not met him, would I've done the single mom route? I don't know. Uh, it's possible. Um, but I, I, I don't know, but I, one thing that I do want to say is that, you know, women are delaying childbearing. And I hear a lot from younger women. Um, oh, I know I don't want to have kids. I just, I want women to be willing to change their mind and understand that they might change their mind. And if they do, that's okay. Okay. That it is okay. I changed my mind and I was 38 to 39 years old. Okay. I also want women to understand that who are anticipating delaying childbirth, uh, childbearing that I, I hear this a lot. Um, if I don't get pregnant on my own, I'll just go to IVF. Uh IVF is not a valid plan B for everybody. It's Mm -hmm. not, it was not a valid plan B for me. It did not work for me. IVF did not work for me. I went through five failed cycles out of those five cycles. I got 16 embryos that made it to the genetic testing phase. And only one was chromosomally normal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then that one, that transfer did not take. I went to donor egg. The first transfer with donor eggs did not take. It was a second transfer of donor eggs that took. Okay. So I yeah, had to we're use talking <laughs> also like emotions of steel here that you need to 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, no, I did not have emotions of still, I, I would be first to admit that it's, uh, mm-hmm. I just, I just want women to be educated, to, to get more knowledge, educate themselves, know about their fertility, you know, talk to the fertility specialist, even at a younger age in anticipation for delaying, delaying childbearing. So, you know, what might happen. And also I hear this all the time too. Well, my mom had a baby at 40. My aunt had a baby at 43. My sister, you know, my cousin, your family fertility is not genetically inherited. Mm -hmm. Okay. Every woman's an individual. So we can't assume just because someone we know or someone in our family had babies later in life with no issue that it's going to apply to us because it may not apply to us. My grandmother had babies at 42. It didn't work. And, you know, and was no issue and I, and I didn't. So, you know, it's not a genetic thing Mm -hmm. of your fertility. No, absolutely. We yeah. uh, we have a uh, another call coming up soon, so we do have to part ways in a minute. Lindsay, mm-hmm. do you have any last questions for Dr. Clark? No, I think I think the thing that I would love to hear because we've heard a lot of like the risks and the. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear, especially like as a mom who started later in life, like what are some positives mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. having a baby after thirty five. Well, I, I'll speak for me personally. I think that um, being already settled in my career, uh, being financially stable, uh, having traveled and lived my life and done a lot of cool things that um, I was able to do, and then having kids, I feel like I, you know, maybe a little bit smarter than I would have been in my 20s for <laughs> sure. A lot more patience um, for the most part. And just more stability in general and being able to pass that on to my kids, I think is ideal because now they can travel with us. They can see the world with us once COVID's over, of course, Um, (laughs) you know, and they can get the benefit of me not having to worry. I mean, I lived paycheck paycheck to paycheck for years and I, and, and that was tough. And I can imagine trying, you know, raising a family like that. And so I, um, I, there are definite benefits um, and also they're making me a little bit younger. I mean, I'm re-experiencing <laughs> some things, you know, that I hadn't experienced in years. So there are definitely benefits to having babies later in life. Absolutely. One of my closest friends mm-hmm. had her baby at 52 and her partner is mm-hmm. in his late, fi- sorry, she's 42. He's in his late fifties mm-hmm. and she didn't, wasn't ready, was traipsing the world. Um, and anyway, she had her kid late, her and she's so patient and happy and sated. And I think about a lot mm-hmm. of the moms that I had, I was in my th- early thirties and late twenties when I had my children. And most of us were <laughs> like, mm-hmm. all we did was complain about lack of sleep. She never does. It's always happy, positive. She's so, it was like the gift that she, you know, the gift that keeps giving that she mm-hmm. really was ready for. So what you're saying resonates so much. Yeah. yeah. My other friend is 47 and she had mm-hmm. her third now after having mm-hmm. her other two 15 years ago, she says the same thing. She's like, I am such a calmer, more collected, uh, grounded mother now, even though she's 47. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I mean, listen, I, it's hard being a working mom, older mm-hmm. mom. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I am in a demanding career. So I, my, my family sacrifices a lot, but I do feel like, you know, we have that time. I don't feel the need. I, I, I've done a lot in my life. I'm very fortunate that I was able to do that. I don't feel that I'm missing out on anything, um, you know, or that I uh, uh, should be, you know, traveling on my own. I, I want to experience it with them. 
So I feel like the quality uh, of the time is much better um, than maybe had it, would it have been if I had had them younger? Um, so, you know, just the stability and then, you know, watching them as little kids and remembering, you know, I'm 47. The last time I thought about, oh my gosh, were they jumping in a bounce house this weekend? I mean, when's the last time I did that? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of cool, you know? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's been great talking to you. I love this perspective yeah. and all the various elements to think about. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you want to tell us a bit about, do you offer, do you have offerings for, for people? But like where can people find you? Yeah. Where are you living yeah. on the internet? So my website is babiesafter35.com. I'm also on Instagram at babiesafter35. Those are the two main places where I uh, do the most uh, interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably Instagram is the I, most I love popular. your Instagram. You yeah. have the most <laughs> hilarious videos. Not just, <laughs> I mean, they're you. educational as well, but like entertaining and educational. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I try, I try to educate uh, and make it a little humorous at, at, at times if I can. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Amazing. So thank you very much. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client, or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmamaprenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.